Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars, if I had Hello, my folks, Jackson Jacks. I'm Tamara. She's Eliani on the board. Hustling in this morning on a, a kind of a bleak morning, but not not overly cold. SP Futures down three, NASDAQ Futures down 17. Um, I'll get to Dow Futures here in a second. I was reading about Coca-Cola's earnings. Dow Futures are up 34. Individual stocks are up. Guess what? Coca-Cola's up 81 cents. Uh, we got Disney up 10.47. They were up as much as 15 last night. Do we have Mr. Lou? Good morning. How are you, bud? Oh, I'm awake uh, this morning for, for a change, so it's nice. Um, most mornings you don't wake up, or what? Well, no. Last week I was asleep at this time. Ah. So, my apologies again on uh, on that. I had, I had traveled to the central time zone for the show prior to that and it set my watch to wake me up at 5.30 rather than at 4.30 so ah. my uh, my pardon on that one but this morning I am wide awake and uh, ready to uh, to chat about uh, here's an interesting question for you what should be our national reaction to American athletes competing for China uh before, you get a, before, before I get a reaction, how does that, how does that even happen? What, how, how does that work? What is the fundamentals of how the hell would I I'm, go to if I if I happen to be a a, a curler, say, as the only sport I think I could put myself into? How the hell would I apply for the Chinese national curling team? Well, first of all, you'd have to carry a Chinese passport and arrange to change your citizenship. I assume. That most of these people are, or the, the, the two people I'm aware of, uh, a, a freestyle skier and a figure skater, uh, who grew up in the United States, but they carry, you know, we, we recognize dual citizenship here in the with, U.S. With China? Um, uh, no, the United States recognizes dual citizenship. I, okay, these, right, back up, back up. Used to be, well, at least I thought it used to be the only place you could have dual citizenship was Ireland and Israel, and then it expanded to a couple others. Now it's any place? No, it's not any place, and it's a question of what the Chinese recognize. I mean, it, to the extent that we recognize dual citizenship, um, you know, they, they might be able to, uh, they would be able to maintain their Chinese citizenship even though they lived in the United States. Okay. So, so the Chinese would allow them to come in if they if they wanted to, and and compete for uh, for China. Um, this happens sometimes. I mean, you see this sometimes where you've got people, for example, who could make the citizenship qualifications for, you know, Egypt or Haiti or whatever, who are also who are American citizens, but they can they can get themselves declared. Canadian or, or uh, Haitian or whatever citizens for purposes of the uh, competition, and they can they can compete with no uh, you know with, with with no problem as far as the IOC is concerned. Yeah, but how? What about a guy like me who's never been to China, never plans on going? How the hell do I? Do well, I, you're not going to get a Chinese passport. These people have Chinese citizenship, presumably because their parents are Chinese nationals. Ah, ah okay. So. Right. 
you know, interesting, interesting issues to how you do that. And and I mean, I, I'm not up to speed completely on Chinese on Chinese immigration law, but my understanding is that the, the China requires you. China does not recognize dual citizenship, and you have to renounce your your passport to uh, to become uh, or to exercise your, your Chinese citizenship option. So that's presumably what these people have done. But but from a bigger perspective, which is bad enough. But from a bigger perspective, um, you know, what what should be our national reaction to this? I mean, it seems we seem to be pretty calm about it, as opposed to well, basically to saying you're going to compete for a regime that actually sort of is a modern historical parallel to Nazi Germany. Um, I'm not exactly sure what I can do about it. I, I find it very odd. I uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do if I was. You know, there have been, this has happened before at, at a much lesser scale where, where didn't we have a couple of pro basketball players that actually were from Puerto Rico, completed in, on the Puerto Rican team or something? And, uh. Well, yeah, it's yeah. weird enough. It's yeah. weird enough that Puerto Rico's allowed to compete as its own team, but, but that's, but aside from that, I don't view, I don't view somebody going to compete for Puerto Rico or Haiti or, or Egypt or, you know, some other place. As going to compete against, well, a for for an enemy, the declared enemy of the United States, and and b for a a country that is basically acting in violation of virtually every recognizable standard of human rights. Well, if you and I had dual, this is not making light of this, by the way. If you and I had dual Irish citizenship, I'd say we would probably compete on the curling team for Ireland because they probably don't have one. Well, right. I mean, obviously, one of the reasons, the big reason people do this is because they can make the Olympic team for Ireland yeah. or China, but they can't make the Olympic team here. Remember the Jamaican, uh, Jamaican bobsledders? Yeah. So, so, um, and, and, and we have all kinds of people who, in track and, and swimming and, and a number of other sports, who come to the United States to train with collegiate teams, but then as soon as the Olympics roll around, they... They go back to their home country and compete there. By the way, the three yeah, biggest—that's that, that's why you do it. But but the question—I I, I just wonder. I find it surprising to me that we are not heaping opprobrium on these people. It, it, it's it's so perplexing to me, Lou, that I never even really gave it much thought. I just thought it was really weird. I mean, it's—I guess that's my reaction. I, by the way, if you're looking here at the incentives by country, the three leading countries for gold—you uh, get seven hundred thirty-seven thousand if you win gold. For one of them, seven twenty for the other, and six forty-two for the third. What do you think the three are? I assume we're in there somewhere. No. Uh, okay, Sing- we're S- Singapore is number one. Taiwan is number two, and Hong Kong is number three. I don't even see China on the list. To be honest with you, where are we? We're uh, we're way down here. We're we're thirty-seven thousand. Okay. Well, that's pretty low. Yeah. Um, the, the opportunities for metal, for a gold medal person like, uh, like the woman who won freestyle skiing, and I, I can't remember her name, I think it's Chu, but I'm not sure. Um, you know, her, her, her deal will be whether, regardless of what the Chinese government pays her, is the, the huge marketing and, and uh, NIL opportunities she'll have in China. I assume that's Is she the, the one who's already been the model, or is that the, yeah. is she the one who's already been yeah. the model forever, or is that the figure skater? Uh, I think it's the thickest skier is our model. Uh, what's, what's with this 15-year-old with a drug that... Uh, 
She's not supposed to have? What in God's name are you taking at age 15? She's Russian. The whole Russian, the whole Russian sports federation operation is riddled with, with drug use and blood doping and, uh, uh, testing evasions. That's why the Russians were banned from the last Olympics because of their, the stuff they did at Sochi. Um, yes, yeah, I'm, I, that doesn't surprise me a bit. It's just another marker. If I, and if I were the IOC, I would step up and immediately disqualify uh, every Russian athlete that's participating on behalf of Russia in these games. So if I went up to uh, the drug and doping buffet and just said, I'll take the whole buffet, how, how good could I get? Not you? Really. Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, me and Walsh, I'm talking about. <laughs> sound like an attack. That was an attack. That was an attack. Yeah. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, you, you and I would, you and I would die from something like that. All right. Well, then we fresh into it. I mean, I mean, you can't just walk up to the drug buffet. The, the drugs are the drugs, and, and the blood doping are very carefully tailored to the individual physiology to try to make it hard to detect. Um, they'd be pumping you full of human growth hormone and probably a bunch of testosterone. I don't need any of that. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so if I went out to play Sunday softball, got to hit it 10 feet further, at least after all this? Um, well, let, let's put it this way. If you were to start taking a testosterone supplement or human growth hormone supplement and, and extra combining it with appropriate exercise, yeah, I mean, it would make a difference. It might kill you, but it would make a difference. But I get one last home run, maybe. You get you probably do a, do a lot better. I mean, uh, you, you might have some other kind of unwanted changes, but I, I mean, as I'm as I understand the the impact, even on on older athletes, the um, the effect is the effect is substantial. It's not as it's not as substantial as it is for young people, but but it's substantial. Well, that's because we don't have yeah, any growth hormone. You hit the ball faster. We don't we don't have any growth hormone or testosterone left, so it would have to be a m- more effect on us. No, because your body doesn't respond to increased levels of that stuff uh, the same no. way at age ninety as it does at age. Hey, it's you know, not 25. ninety. Not ninety, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, <clears throat> what are the what? What is your feel of the economics of this Olympics and how? How's it actually? I mean, it seems there's never anybody in any of the spots. They don't let anybody in any place. How are they getting people back and forth to these ski resorts? How far away are they from Beijing? I mean, all things seems really b- almost like a bizarre world, doesn't it? Um, well, first of all, the economic impact is a disaster for NBC. The ratings are horrific. Um, the the I, I don't I personally don't know anybody who's watched an Olympic event. Um, I have. I watched a couple. I have. Okay. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think. Ileana, I think Ileana is, uh, uh, in a, in a pretty large cohort. Well, I mean, I, I just, have uh, absolutely no interest in this whatsoever. It's not that I don't have any interest in the Olympics, because I do love the Olympics. It's just that with what's happening in China and what they did to, I guess, in, in their eyes, reinvigorate their constitution, what they're doing to people, I can't support it. Well, well I'm, I'm with you on that, but. Absolutely correct. Yeah. But if, when you, if you, if you happen to flip through the channels and you turn it on, the individual athletes are so spectacular. Oh, of course. In, in, in any sport, in this, uh, plus I, I learned I got some new language. You're thinking I'm not, I'm just, I'm just getting older. I'm getting younger. Now, you don't even probably know what the what the shred shed is, Lou. I probably has something to do with snowboarding. Well, yeah, 
But the, the snowboarding, the I guess it's the freestyle where these girls are. By the way, those girls just look like it to me, but they all like five one, five two, in great shape, and they just bounce if they land wrong. And they just bounce right back up. It's unbelievable. They. Uh, well, that's that's one of the reasons you don't have great big people in sports like gymnastics or uh, you know, uh, well, skiing, rhythmic dancing, that kind of stuff. The, the moving a moving a large body is is more difficult, and uh, you're you are more prone to injury when you uh, when you go down. Well, they they the, the course, and I'm not I'm, I'm just watching it right, so I don't really <laughs> believe me. I'm not a shredder. Uh, there's all kinds of different things on the course, and you can kind of do whatever you want. I mean, it really is a freestyle. There's there's probably four or five different jumps of different heights and stuff, and at the top you can either scoot down a rail like you see you know every skateboarder do or you can fly up on this thing that looks like a like a, a house or, or or like a you know some place you'd put snowmobiles it looks like a house and that's the shred shed you can you can slide along the roof of the shed and then back down that's in the top you can choose your own kind of route then you end up flying up in the air and doing like you know 15 different twirls in the air and somehow landing and it's really something but I, the best was these I was thinking of you Lou these two not that you're Russian these two Russian dudes the, the did you see this the 30 kilometer like cross country race yes by, uh, cross country skiing or biathlon biathlon has always been one of my favorite events to watch but yes I'm familiar with it the uh well there's this uh, it's like an 8 kilometer course and you had to go around like I don't know, 16 times, 8, I don't know, some huge amount. So thing was, thing was, I think it was a 30, 30 mile race or something. But the first 15 miles, you're on classical cross country skis, and then the second you're on freestyle. What is the difference? Do you have any idea? What's the difference? They just have to change well, skis. Classic, classic cross country skis versus regular skis are designed to grab the snow. While regular skis are designed to slide over it and take advantage of, of gravity. So you can, you can, you know, run, you, and, and these guys do, you could practically run in cross country skis. The heel, the heel isn't clipped down, your toe rotates forward, they're thinner, and they've got a, they've got a scaling thing on the bottom that works in one direction that allows you to grab as you're putting your, your, uh, you're skiing into the snow and pushing off against it. Well, those I've used, I didn't. I didn't know what the freestyle was, and because they, they have to change in the middle. So the freestyle skis, at least the ones that I've seen, are upturned at both ends so that you can ski just as easily backwards as you can forwards. They tend to be a little bit much, obviously much wider and uh, and uh, smoother. They kind of they kind of slipperier. They kind of slap country ski. They slap parallel anyway. But these dudes, something was with the weather. And it was so cold, evidently, that the that the ice, the normal the little the little piece of water that forms on the uh, on the snow, you know, that makes it really slippery. So when you went downhill, obviously you don't have to pull or, or do anything. So you you essentially can rest because there's ups and downs on this course. Well, they said somehow or another the snow was was even kind of sticky. So these dudes had to like even pull on the on like the flats or the small. Lou, I tell you what, I don't know what shape these guys were in, but this this one uh, one Russian guy somehow he looked like he was, and, and there was a Finnish guy second. The two of them went out. So this other Russian guy ca- catches the Finnish guy. The Finnish guy looks like he's going to die halfway through. I mean, he looks like he's going down. 
only kind of one shoulder's work. Somehow the guy finishes still with the bronze. I'm thinking, you you got to love it. And they're talking about the Russian guy who won those 120 kilometers a week or something. Yeah. I mean, that is, what, what? What how that that guy? What kind of body does the dude have? For God's sake! Well, being an athlete, though, right? Well, yeah, they're they're really good. They look like greyhounds. They're they're very relatively slender. They've got fantastic lung capacity, and and their muscles their muscles are are very lean. Um, They don't. These are guys, obviously, because of the cardio work they're doing, that don't have a lot of weight. Imagine now doing something like that that kind of physical effort on the cross-country skis. But as you come around that 8-kilometer, 10-kilometer course each time, you got to throw down, take a rifle off your back, and then shoot, you know, targets at like, I don't know, whatever it is, 50 yards. With a twenty-two caliber gun, and you're shooting, you're shooting into so- targets the size of a quarter. You know, and you've got to go through and hit and you you've got to hit 98% of those targets or you're not even going to you're not even going to qualify. Imagine having to do that five or six times. Have you had the, the control to be able to to shoot properly? Those guys in like a minute or something or in 30 seconds drop their heartbeat from like 110 or whatever it is or 100 when they're when they're pulling along to like 50 when they're shooting. Yeah. Cuz you can't if your if your heart's beating too fast you can't shoot right, correct? Well, I, I think I think that that's a that's a function. I mean, I mean, I've known I've known shooters who got pretty excited, but at the moment of actual pulling the trigger, you've got to be very calm. So, I but to the extent your heart rate factors into that, yeah, you've got to you've got to calm yourself down fast. All right, Lou, uh, just get a can you give me a, a, a gentleman and a lawyer's take on? We're seeing all these earnings. A lot of companies are doing real well. Some companies aren't. And you know, you've been on the show with me for a long time that one of my biggest fears is with all the combinations, you know, you know, you know, I'm kind of an antitrust guy and we always argue about baseball and football, but with all, with all that happens when you start having concentrations and then your, your government, your central bank screws up and starts pouring some inflation in the top of the place, well, starts for a long time. The ability of some of these people to raise prices and just blow their way over the rest of the competition is, and, and you don't really know where it is. It could be in uh, entertainment. It could be anything. And these Disney came out, so they did a little work on uh, on Disney. Uh, they're raising their the park the the, the adult big ticket to 164 bucks in March. It was fifty dollars in 2000, and it was 124 in 2017. Now it came out, and of course the the CNBC world is is you know is having the you know it's like they all took Viagra in these numbers. I mean, everybody's just crazed. Yet, Lou, all they did was raise prices, for God's sake. I mean, if, if you put these in the CPI indicator, from 2000 that ticket should be 80 bucks. So it's over double that. If you take the 124 in 2017 and put that in there, it should be 140 bucks today, and it's 164 I mean, are we even... And Coca-Cola came out and said they managed to maintain their revenue higher than... First of all, does anybody even... The people even get the fact that when somebody says they were able to maintain their revenue in, uh, ahead of their costs, that they raise prices more than the cost would make them do it, and how they're staying ahead of the game because they're a friggin' monopolist or, or a cartel. Does anybody get this? Um, I, I think the average person on the 
you know, in the shopping aisle probably understands only that they are seeing a, a dramatic price rise on commodities across the board, that it's uneven. I, I don't understand how any company that's operating right now that relies on transportation or heating or anything that needs you know, oil or natural gas, how any uh, company like that is, is maintaining any kind of profit margin. Did did you see did you see the numbers for Great Britain speaking of energy costs? Um, no, the, the, they've always the been high, but um, <clears throat> the Brits always. are projecting the British Exchequer, which is their is their federal bank, is projecting that the economic impact on Great Britain of the their fuel and heating costs will be greater. The economic impact will be greater than the two thousand eight recession. And that the average, the average Britain is going to be looking at a, a cost raise somewhere north of 2,000 pounds a year, which is a lot of money over there, uh, just, just to, just to maintain heat in their, uh, you know, in their, in their houses and apartments. It's a huge increase. And it, it's, it's because of their energy policies where they swore off, uh, fossil fuels and are trying to go with, with, uh, Renewables that that can't sustain the the need for the economy, so they're having now to import huge amounts of very expensive natural gas and uh, and other fossil fuels to to backstop their their renewables. Which anybody that watched what happened in Germany could could say, yeah, that's not a surprise. Well, we got to go to break kind, today. This kind of economic this kind of economic impact is dramatic. Um, we got to go to break. Uh, we'll continue on the scene a little bit. SP futures down two. As they features down 20, huge update yesterday. We're just, you know, not even making a dent in that. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome back to Stacks and Giants. I'm Kamau. Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 250. NASDAQ Futures down 23. Dow Futures up 71. We've got Disney. We came in with uh, good earnings, mostly on uh, their theme parks. Came flying back through. Uh, and they have a lot more uh, uh, people sign up for Disney Plus than they thought as well. So we have uh, Disney up 10 bucks, 1077. It was up over 15 last night. And we have Coca-Cola up 49 cents. It was up just about almost a buck, but it's come back a little bit. American Express up 73 cents. So not kind of quiet this morning after a huge update yesterday. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up 75.5%. What's he up 19.2%? Kick around down two, call that flat. We're in Asia, we got the Nikkei. These guys were all up yesterday. Up again today, up 116.4%. Shanghai up 5.2%. Hang Seng up 94.4%. Remember, we have the CPI number today, and I'm going to say a lot of people think it leaked. I don't know if it, I don't know if it did or not. We'll find out. Uh, Dow Jones up 305.9%, S&P up 65.1.5%, NASDAQ up 295.2%. This was yesterday, big update. Uh, bonds, 1.93, kind of unchanged. The Bund, uh, 0.22, and Japan, 0.23. Japan's the only one that's really moved. It's up two basis points. Uh, oil, up 75 cents, back up over 90, $90.41. Brent up 52 cents, 92.07. Natural gas down 4 cents, 396. I'm going to say that a lot of what people's bills are to the moon, it's not really anything to do with the price of natural gas. It has to do with uh, <clears throat> largesse of our ICC giving stuff to Commonwealth Edison. People, oh, Commonwealth Edison's not gas. Uh, North Shore and people's gas. Our bob up one cent, 267. Uh, we've got gold down 370, 18.32. Uh, silver up two cents, 23.37. Copper up seven cents, 4.67. And we got Bitcoin up five bucks, 44,708 is its highest level in a month. Uh, way up from the January lows. Liliani, what, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Chief. Uh, currently 6.36 a.m. on February 10th. Let's get started. Um, in sports, let's get into the NBA. Uh, Bulls beat Heats, uh, beat, uh, sorry, beat the Hornets last night, 121 and 109, and the Suns will be playing the Bucks tonight. In NHL, Blackhawks beat Oilers 4 to 1. Coyotes beat Seattle, uh, 5 to 2. In college basketball, 
UIC will play Cleveland State tonight, and Arizona State will be playing Washington Huskies tonight. Nothing to report for these teams from last night. In weather, currently cloudy, 30 degrees, with a high of 32 and a low of 28 in Chicago. Over in Phoenix, sunny, 52, with a high of 82 and a low of 50. That is quite the range of temperature. And in true traffic, uh, we have traffic eastbound on I-90 between the North Tri-State Ramp and the 94 East Ramp. Traffic eastbound on 94 between Armitage and 55 North, uh, the 55 North Ramp. Uh, more traffic westbound on 94 between 130th and 76th. And then that traffic picks up again between Pershing and Troop. Traffic eastbound on 290 between the 88 West Ramp and Costner. More traffic on uh, 55 North between Route 120, sorry, 171 and Damon. And uh, a bit more traffic northbound on Lakeshore. It's actually getting kind of hefty over there between the 55 North Ramp and Randolph. Not quite sure why it's so heavy over there. I don't see any accidents reported, but uh, be careful driving out there this morning. And that's all I have for you, Chief. So uh, Coca-Cola said the drinks away from home are back to pre-pandemic levels, Lou. So there you have it. Um, I don't know what that means necessarily, but I guess uh, I guess that's a good thing. Well, maybe some restaurants are coming back or whatever. Um, that mean people are going to the soda counter? I guess people even remember what that <laughs> was. <laughs> yeah. um, Do we even have? All right. My my um, ex-wife lived in a very small town, and they actually had a, a fountain counter, soda counter. Where there were, you know, quote, soda jerks working, providing, you know, fountain cokes and Dr. Pepper and all that other stuff. Have, have, have either of you, uh, Chief, you probably have gone to a soda counter. Oh, right? I did. Have, have, have you ever been to one? I have. I've actually been to one in, uh, California. They have, okay. uh, they have this, like, they have this old, like, super old fashioned. I actually saw it on a, a YouTube channel that I really like, uh, called Watcher. These, these two guys, they kind of take, like, uh, you know, uh, a kind of a, an internal perspective into all the different places in California that are treasured and all that stuff and they went to this place I think it's called the Pop Palace and you can even go in there and like make your own sodas and stuff which is pretty cool but yeah I've, I have visited there it's, it's pretty incredible <laughs> well, the, the, Just try, to, try to imagine try to imagine having one of these places in a town in a like a drugstore or whatever and that was where you got you know milkshake or cream soda or whatever yeah I mean, I mean, having something like that, you know, just in terms of the social interaction, it it, it literally sort of would, would be. I guess it would be the same thing as a bar, except without the obnoxiousness. Yeah, that and also like it's a great place for like for kids to hang out and stuff. Because I yeah I, I I would um I have a my friend Eric, um I've known him since I was like ten. His mom would talk about things like that. She you know like when I was, she was like when I was younger in the seventies and she'd talk about like going out to go get soda with her friends and milkshakes and go to the diner and go to the gas station and get little sodas and that's what that's what kids would do. And so yeah, it's it's uh, pretty endearing. <laughs> we had a couple of places yeah. on Ninety uh, Fifth Street that hung in there. One was a candy store, Cupid Candies. They always had a a big ice cream soda area. Then there was a little drugstore that had maybe a six stool counter. And the, the things that are that are really iconic is when you got your glass of water, there was a little base to the glass that was metal, and there was a it looked like a a, a, a cone of paper that went in there, and then your water was in the paper. Remember that, Lou? Yes. And then, but the and when you got a coke or anything else, most people got coke. If you got a coke, there was this machine or this this device, and there was a little syrup thing. 
and they right. they hit the syrup thing, and then the syrup went in your glass, your Coke syrup, and then they would put it underneath the the, the pourer, and the pourer was just uh, carbonated water. <clears throat> so they essentially made your Coke. All you all you bought from Coke was the was the gallon of syrup. The syrup, right? Yeah, which is why a fountain Coke tasted mm. completely different from a Coke that you would get out of a bottle. Way way oh, better, yeah. way better. I mean, I thought, and uh, and then you would have your your real ice cream, and you had the the machine where you you know the metal things where you put the milkshake and they put it in there and the metal thing would be grinding away and uh, stirring away whatever the hell it was doing but it, it was you know it was it was iconic <laughs> there's still a couple places like that yeah I know there's one called uh, I think it's called Margie's Candies yeah they got they got I, one I love yep. that I love that place it's very yeah it's it's, it's pretty old school it's it's lovely <laughs> I wonder where you get the, the little cones for the water thing anymore if you can even get those you probably some place got them there's always some place that got something oh sure um Lou I uh as we as we wander through this, you know, experiment we have, and it's and you hear the constant commentators that are, you know, I guess I critique people. In the when, you, when you're talking about experiment, which experiment are you talking about? The COVID experiment, the economic experiment, the, economic, the military the experiment, the economic which experiment, which is where okay, where we're, we're throwing all kinds of of money into the system unevenly, and where we seem shocked at the result and. We even seem shocked at the motivation, the size of. I mean, I, I, I the young ladies or young men when they start when they start talking economics on CNBC or something, I feel like I want to reach through the TV, not not El, not Elvis and shoot the TV, reach reach through and just like, well, what was it? Was it Aqua Velvet, a cold slap in the face? Was it? I mean, yes, that was it. The uh, I mean, you, you when when you when you define people say, all oh, these companies have this. You know, their costs are going up. Well, yeah, they are. But whenever, whenever you, if you ever become an economics professor, Lou, when you, you give an assignment to your class, I don't know if people do that anymore, the first thing you had to do was define the environment. If you were to say, assume perfect competition, this is what happens in your in your supply chain. They even use those terms back there. And this happens, you have this kind of an outside shock. Take it all the way through the system. right? Or they may say, uh, assume an oligopoly system or, or assume a monopoly. Lou, the answers are all different. If you're, if you're a monopoly or, or, or a cartel, you don't, you don't try and ma- once you can affect price, the, the, the decision making tree is totally different than when you can't. If you're a farmer in Iowa, you could have a square mile farm and be pissed off at the world and say, I'm not going to grow any. I'll, I'll show you guys. I'm not going to. I'm not going to grow any corn. I'm not going to say it doesn't make a difference, Lou. But it's probably a millionth of a cent in the in the in the corn world. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't you can't affect anything. It, even if you've got a huge farm, right? Right. This is like uh, this is like our impact on global warming. Yeah, There's basically with China and India. Yeah, and and then you. But if you're if you're uh, Home Depot and you say, I don't really care if that. Other plasterboard guy goes into business. I'm real happy selling them at sixty bucks or twenty bucks a sheet when I used to get three bucks a sheet. I really don't want three or four other people's in here. I mean, if if you're, I use the one. If, if you're making Viagra, you don't want another Viagra manufacturer, do you? No. So your motivations are totally different. And so when when somebody interviews somebody like Disney raising the par- prices of the park. It's not like there's another park next door, is there? I mean, you've let these people become so big. I'm not saying Disney's a park monopoly, but they're pretty close. 
And, and you have well, Disney. No, Disney's Disney's. You're, you're, it's, it's a little different. Disney's product is unique. Okay. I, I mean, that. you don't you don't go. There are lots of theme parks that you could go to. They're they're they're, they're all over the place. But okay. Disney's theme park is a Disney experience because of the intellectual property that Disney has associated with with what's going on at those parks. And and so that that experience is unique. I, I, much like Universal Studios experiences are unique. You you can't you can't go into Disneyland and and look for a Harry Potter experience. That's all Universal. They've got that world. So if you're buying a Disney pass for 164 bucks a day, it's almost as bad as skiing. Yeah. But, but so it's a but it's a much better buy because you could do stuff all day. Um. If you go in, if you go into a Disney park, you're going in for that whole Mulan, you know, whatever the other films are. Experience Snow White, The Pirates of the Caribbean. Which, by the way, if you want to watch a funny, entertaining, very light movie, Jungle Cruise is is pretty good. If you, especially if you've got kids, it is pretty good. I do like it. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> totally stupid, but it was very. It was very entertaining. I wasn't even anyway. going to watch it, but yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> well, I'm sure anyway, there's, there's people that will pay for Disney, Disney's not Disney's not a monopoly. Uh, they, they just have they have, a, they have a unique intellectual property that that they that they've got, and in this space of theme parks, and there's lots of those. You you are looking for a particular experience, and and so if you want it. If you want to go ride the Jungle Cruise or or do Space Mountain, right, or right. whatever, it's not a monopoly, but it's not a corn farmer either. Well, well, no, but it's more akin to it's more akin to uh, you know somebody who had like a special blend of coffee or something like that. No, but they that they, only they could raise. But okay, but I'm, I'm not I'm not bashing Disney here. Is what I'm saying is. People use the events that are there right now. An awful lot of people, the top twenty percent of the country, which is what I'm guessing goes to Disneyland. I, I don't think that Hispanic people working in the business in the building here are capable of taking their four kids to Disney World for a week and paying what is it, fifteen bucks for a hamburger and and paying one hundred sixty four dollars a day per kid. I'm just saying it. It it, it is. A, I'm not. I'm, I'm not bashing them. I'm just saying. There, it's not perfect competition at this level. Some somebody sits down at Disney and says, if "We raise the prices fifteen percent. We're going to lose three percent of our, our, our people. Guess what? It's a good deal. Perfect competition. But you don't get to do that." I, I I understand. I understand what you're saying. Disney does not market to a, a bunch of people who are going there every year. The Disney the Disney experience, at least as I've experienced it. Is this is a place you go either once in a lifetime with your kids when they're one time when they're kids, or you go uh, you know once when you've got young children and once when you're old, so you can relive the whatever. But it is not a place that that is designed for you to go every day or every every year. All right, my my only point here is I'm that. I, mean, I don't. I don't really care that much about Disney, really. But I mean, I, and okay. I don't care that much about Coke. When I, when I say, what I'm saying is, when you talk about Coke pricing their products and Disney pricing their products, you're not talking about a perfectly competitive area. Now, whether it's a monopolist or whether they've just been doing it for so long that they're unique 
you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I'm not I'm saying anything bad about him. Well, my point is, is this is happening all over the place. You know, and, and it's happening every, every, everywhere. Everybody thinks they're unique. Home Depot thinks they're unique because they have no competition, right? That's the, what makes them unique. <laughs> they're, they, all the other people are gone, right? So, I mean, that's you, you've got a, a, you've got inflation, general inflation, on top of massive amounts of, of uh, combinations that have gone on in the last twenty five years. And I'm saying that the, the the stew of those combined things is a real problem for every man. Oh, I I, I absolutely agree. And and I'm not going to. I'm sorry, I, I didn't understand the argument you were trying to make with this thing. That happens all the yes. time. People don't understand what I'm talking about. It happens. No, no, well, that's that's no, no. It's because you're talking to a guy who's you know one time zone away from you. Um, I, I earlier, I think I think that I think that's true. The the the, the problem or one of the problems, and you and I were talking about this right out of the gate in, in 2020. The, the, the problem with this COVID response has been a, a significant consolidation in a number of, a number of markets. I mean, we're seeing, we're, we're seeing some interesting effects in Denver. So, so COVID, COVID took down a number of, uh, and the government, actually the government's lockdown response to COVID, which we now know was stupid. Uh, the CDC's recommendations were stupid. Um, and some of us have been saying that since May of 2020. Yep. Uh, um, the COVID res- the, the COVID reaction took down a number of small businesses here in Denver, and and I mean a lot like let's say Home Depot competition. A lot of small hardware stores, a lot of small specialty stores that had started to work into the niches between Home Depot. And, and Walmart and other major, major chains. Those places were, were, got killed because they did not have the financial resources to, to weather the, the business shutdown. They, they couldn't deal with the fact that their, their people stopped working. All, all of this. This was all stuff that needed to be done in person and, and the, the COVID reaction was a dramatic shutdown of our ability to, to do that and, a, and they sustained it way past any any rational well to the point. Ex- to the extent that Home Depot those, my point my point was going to be though that those one of the things that I'm seeing here in Denver is that those places are that those places are not coming back but but competitors are coming back those niche competitors are starting to reassert themselves now you see it a lot here in the restaurant business you see a lot in the recreational uh, uh, supply business. And they're, they're gradually starting to creep back up. Well, that that would be a, a terrific thing. I, in order to get financing, plus I'm sure, I, and I don't want to know how much. Actually, I do want to know these these big firms. The thing that keeps banging on my head whenever I think about it, uh, Lou, is all the the money that you think people got checks that maybe some people, you know, I don't know whether they deserved it, didn't deserve it, who the hell knows. But and all the PPP money and all that stuff, I think it was only twenty five percent of the amount of money given. So I, I can't even imagine what the check was to like a Home Depot, but the but the but the Fed, your 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 I say your buddies, our buddies, the smaller places, if they had to go finance their stuff, I'm going to say most of the banks are giving them they're either signing the place over personally, right, or signing the check, which a lot of those places went under because I think they had to they, they want them to sign over their house. We don't act. You don't ask the president of, of uh, 
Home Depot to sign over his house when they go to get 3% money, do you? I mean, the, what, the, what the Fed has created in this, uh, you get this rate and you get this rate, makes it almost impossible to compete with these people. I mean, it, I mean if not impossible. And yet, and yet we don't, we don't seem to have any, there were more combinations in like 2021 than like, it was like a record year. Uh, well, yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, the Fed, the Fed has created, and and the market, it, it's not just the Fed, chief. It's it's the federal government, right, has created these perverse incentives that basically make it very, very difficult if you're a small a small business to to start up and to continue operation because there are compliance costs as as, as our, our legal structure gets more and more complicated. There are compliance costs associated with every aspect of a business operation that you either have to hire an attorney or a specialist to deal with, or you run some very serious risks dealing with them yourself. And and that is that is a much more expensive proposition than it was thirty years ago. And and so if you're not if you're not positioned with the, the capital to to support the staff that you need to deal with compliance costs, with your human resources costs, with your employee benefits plan costs, with your your uh, regulatory uh, costs, with respect to whatever product you happen to be you happen to be selling or service you happen to be selling. If you're not prepared to do that, you can't get into that business. No, you're or, or if you're in that business, you can't afford to to run when the when the profit margin goes to hell because the government shuts down everything. Uh, speaking of which, you just reminded me of a question that I, I should have had on my machine here to ask you. Um, but and I will right now. What my, my point. My point is that it's not. It's not just. It, it, it's an unholy alliance. Yeah. Of monetary policy and regulatory policy. Without, without a that doubt, is terribly damaging. And and uh, the Dodd Frank thing about you know responsibilities. It's 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 insane. Lou. It's insane. I mean, I, we had our well, just a quick story. We had our, our compliance review meeting for the year, which you do every year, and you talk about the things where, where FINRA has, not that they don't do anything good, they do, but they have a bunch of 25-year-old people sitting around how to, finding ways to harass people, I mean, in a lot of ways. So, they, but, so they've got um, a, a new policy now that if you're a broker like me, like any, any advice you give, any opinion you give, even if there is no opinion, if the person's not a client, you can be liable for it. I'm like, what are you talking about? So, you know, so if I'm if I'm somewhere having a beer and somebody says, "What do you think of Home Depot?" and I say, "Man, the stock's run up a real lot. I like the company. I don't know if I like the price." And the person goes home and sells it and runs up like you're liable. Liable for what? I mean, and now, but yet, if you're big, you can be on CNBC all day long. Saying, go buy this, go buy that, go buy that, and and all of a sudden it goes down. There's no liability there. No, you can't go up against those guys. But they're gonna they're gonna they basically want everybody of our size out of the business. And they, I don't well, know. it's because because your your size is harder to regulate than the giant guys who make the large campaign contributions and have the hand in in glove relationship with the regulators. Well, yeah. Hey, I, I want to ask you. I don't know if you. I can never stump the stump the loo, But what is with this new Illinois law that, about having to send all your payroll records to the state if you're over a hundred people? For them to op- go through and opine if anybody who's minority or female isn't getting paid enough, they'll come back at you. What, what is that all yeah. about? 
Well, that that is a state variation on something called the OFCCP, the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs. It's existed for federal contractors with more than I think it's fifty employees. That's existed for years in the in the federal sector. It it has to do with uh, the idea that you know if you believe in systemic racism, if you believe that that everything is skewed to damage every other person except white males, then then you are are going to a- analyze promotions and and pay scales for individuals in your comp in your company or in a company looking at disparate results. So the idea is that if you are paying people differently at at the same or within the same pay band, it's got to be the result of discrimination. It, it's an incredibly stupid system. The the federal regulators who, who administered the OFCCP that I dealt with were folks who did not understand basic statistical analysis, and this this was reflected in their in their audits. Um, it is it is another example of the equity mentality, and by equity mentality, I mean equality of outcome mentality that has taken over much of our our government. Uh, agency review, so that if you have a, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't account for experience differences. It doesn't account for education differences. It doesn't account for job performance uh, issues. All right, and, and walk, me, all right walk, walk me through the. As you know, I always want to dig into the nuts and bolts of something. I have a two hundred person firm. I send all this crap to Springfield. Is there a team of twenty four year olds? That are now going to go through every one of my pay stubs in Opine on who I should be paying. I doubt if it'll happen to you unless you come up on somebody's political radar. It's a very useful mechanism for suppressing uh, dissent or uh, you know deviations from the popular opinion. What what will happen if you get selected for an audit is they will go through your payroll records. They will establish compensation. They'll look at the compensation records for everybody in the company. They will assign uh, or or clump jobs together that they feel, not that you feel, but that they feel are similar. And then they will say, okay, in this field, in this this job clump that we've, we've put together here, the women or your minority people or whatever are making, on average, less than the guys the men okay by race and so I although I assume I assume that I don't know if you've got a racial identification in there or not but, but definitely by gender and they'll look at that and say okay so why is there a different outcome here and and of course in most of my clients cases the response was because the jobs aren't the same we don't require the same uh, uh, prereqs for this particular position and and the response was well we think the jobs are the same so you're stuck with that I mean, this is the kind of foolishness that, that you, you could be looking at. Right, that's we that's two, what they're doing. we got two seconds. What do you, who do you like Sunday? Um, I like the Bengals. Really? I think the Rams are too uneven. All right. Well, that, I, I actually uh, kind of like them, too. Which means, you should, which means you should put your money on the Rams. Oh, God. You can't you can't fade yourself, Lou. Just remember that you can't fade yourself. <laughs> <laughs> S&P futures down one fifty. S&P futures down thirteen. Get some skiing in, son. 
and some sunshine, and I can see you skiing in some sun this weekend. Will do. All right, buddy. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, I'm going to face Stacks and Jacks. I'm telling you, she's Eliani on the board. SB Futures down a buck fifty. Nasdaq Futures down fifteen. Um, so, Eliani, if you're if you're going to be in the in the Olympics, are you going to become a citizen of Singapore? So, if you win, you get seven hundred thirty-seven. See, they can pay whatever they want. I don't think they ever had a winner, right? I mean, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, unless they make it ten million, if you never have a winner, what's the difference? Yeah, I mean, I mean, at, at that point, like, because there's so many countries that have never been represented before. That at that point you just be like, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> well, if, if you're if you're from uh, Indonesia, you get three hundred forty six thousand. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever won from Indonesia? I don't believe so. Morocco? Nope. Do we have Mr. Dan? We do. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you, but I, I can see Dan. Going, all right, I can see Dan going Hong Kong. I don't know if you want to go Chinese or Taiwan, but uh, just saying. What do you think? Of, what do you what do you think is going on with these numbers today, bud? Uh, what are we going to see? Well, I mean, we'll find out in about a half hour, and, and um, I think we're going to see the 7.2. I mean, I think we're going to see at least the 7.2. I don't think it's going to be much less than that. I don't think it's going to surprise either either way. Um, but I think we're going to be pretty much right on the mark. Um, you know, I really do hope the Fed is paying attention. <laughs> I really do hope that we move forward, um, which is really what we need to do right now. Um Inflation is going to continue as long as people aren't back to work. And even though the numbers are showing that our employment 
is lower, you know, just from, you know, the, the people that I've talked to, the CEOs, uh, local businesses. Everyone needs help right now, and everyone needs quality help. They want good employees. So just because there are some people that are out of the office, our work does not mean that they're necessarily the right fit, even for some, you know, re- retail consumer jobs. So it's, um, I think the getting back to work needs to happen, and it needs to happen soon, sooner rather than later. Um, you know, we've been talking about this for a while, kind of making sure that, you know, the, there's no additional stimulus at this point. If you want to have any stimulus, um, have it go towards getting people back to work. And I think that's going to help the supply chain issues and ultimately inflation. And it does seem, at least from what I'm hearing recently, that some of the extreme views of, you know, in terms of the way, you know, climate change and fossil fuel and all that was being handled, there's sort of been some dialing back on that, which is good. Um, there's been some dialing back on mask mandates. I don't know about Chicago yet, but it's... Um, Certainly, we're not seeing, you know, we're not seeing the same. Um, we didn't, we never really did see anything too severe here in Florida, but it's becoming more um, back to normal, um, if you will. So, I mean, I think as as the pandemic sort of becomes, um, you know, less of an issue moving forward, and more importantly, I think as people get back to work, we're going to see inflation correct, and. Uh, if it's it's not going to be wage inflation though, but it will be you know hopefully things like food and and cars and and um, hopefully uh, you know gas um, as as the oil picture. Now the oil picture, you know, a friend was telling me a story about someone he ran into at the oil station and you know at the gas station and was talking about it was two hundred dollars to fill his truck and and you know the, the the story there is you know really where is that coming from and there's still you know a Russian influence here. I mean the the you know the the U.S. doesn't have as much say as it had in the past, and I think it's important that the U.S. move towards having more of a say um, because it is OPEC and it is um, you know oil is a political issue. It's not supply and demand. <laughs> Those of us knew you know going back to the seventies, the early seventies, um, and that I you know I think as some of these issues get resolved and and. You know, slow as it may be, that that the, the, some of the decision makers are coming around, and some of the administration is coming around. Slow as it may be, it needs to happen. So when you say, uh, I'm, "I'm getting into this wacky world," after listening to the, <laughs> the buffoons on TV, um, I shouldn't say that, but I just did. No, what you I have a definition when you say the inflation sh- could be slowing up. What do you mean by that? Well, in certain areas, I think that it should not be as extreme as it has been. I mean, in those areas would be, you know, for example, um, you know, cars, automobiles. And, and I think some of that has to do with talking about chips and certain parts, but it's more than that. It's more than just, you know, raw materials. It, it has, I think it has to do with really getting people back to work and getting people back in the factories and, and, you know, the sort of, um, you know, it really has to do with getting people back. And like, as more people get back to work, um, that evens out the problem because it, you know, it produces more supply. It's as simple as that. And, um, you know, it, it, it allows, um, uh, or, you know, operations to be more productive, which is really what needs to happen as well. So it needs, the operations need to, need to, need to be more productive from a technology point of view, but also from a people point of view. We're still a world that relies on individuals and people. Um. All right, I, I would, I would, I would agree with you, but for for a, a totally separate reason. Uh, 
the I think the 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 massive bulge in the monetary base that we've seen from the last two years, which I don't think is anywhere near. Uh, well, it has not been really addressed in the CPI number at all. I mean, when, when you see that the, the, the housing is two percent a year, when we know it's like fifteen, uh, I don't think they addressed. We still haven't addressed the medical issues. So there's the, if the report coming out today, in my opinion, is a flat out lie. Okay, but but having said that, uh, the growth in the money supply has dropped precipitously from the 38% in two years to probably like 11.5% a month. So in, in one man's opinion, we're going to be down to an inflation rate of 7 or 8% a year, which is still pretty darn high, but way way better than it is now if we actually told the truth. But it's not, we're not going to see anything going back at all. I mean, there's no, when you, when you say a, a fix, I assume you mean, that the rate of rise is going to come down a little bit, but there's yes. there's no chance of the ten thousand dollar used car that used to be five going back to five. I mean that that's not going to happen. I don't think. Not anytime soon. I mean I don't think it's ever going to go back to five. It may you know you might start seeing some bargains as the you know there's more cars on the on the um, lot. You know as that starts um, you know people are, are you know it does have some you know consumer it does play an important role in this and consumers' behaviors during this period play an important role. And while I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are just waiting in line to see lower prices, and they might be waiting in line for a long time, that may never happen. Um, but there may be also people that are seeing this as an opportunity and, you know, uh, to, you know, to make money in here, and let's see how we can speed up the process. Well, if we add a couple of guys <clears throat> to the team, we might be able to produce more um, whatever it happened to be, whether it be, I mean, not necessarily used cars, but maybe we'll give more some motivation to people who are um, trying to sell sell cars, um, you know, with trading incentives and that sort of thing. So there may be there may be some things that happen. I agree with you. It's not gonna we're not gonna go back to where we were prior, but that's also because that's where we are in the cycle. I mean, we are in this long range secular cycle, this credit cycle, credit. Um, tightens and then credit is loosened, and, and we're in that credit tightening cycle, and it's almost like everyone's afraid of it. Why, Let's hold why, off before we, you know. Why do you uh, share the data? If, as you're saying, which I agree with you, the data is either old or it's not totally up to date because you know there's this. We don't want to scare the market. I think that's that's where I come in on this. Um, that I think it has it has to do with maybe not wanting to. Um, Reveal all of this information because it might be too much for the markets and for for people to absorb. And I also believe there is a certain amount of it that's political. And I don't usually say that, but it's I do think that gets in the way of really just getting the pure facts and being able to just you know to make your own determination based on on the facts. So is Jack Nicholson your cousin? You can't handle the truth. Yeah, you know it's certainly not me because I've been doing this long enough. But I know, it's, you I know, know, we have to, we have to. But there are people who who can, and there are people that are still looking to, you know, find ways. And I, I think, kind of think it, it, go, it have, you know, it's not just in economics and in economic reporting, but but I think there's a a little bit of holding back on, you know, the you know the, the truly what's going on, which we knew a year ago that was going on, but. You know, it took uh, higher gas prices and higher um, food prices, I think, to convince a lot of people. I was watching a show the other night that it took, you know, there was a scene from Chicago, and I want to say it was 2014, when gas prices were actually higher. 
it's interesting to think that we're you know we're seeing the increase like we're saying and it's the rate of increase that's really what's scaring people it's not so much that we haven't seen these numbers before at least on the energy side on the, on the gas price side but um but i think you're you're exactly right that it's that rate of increase that that is what can scare people so let's just give them a little bit at a time rather than throwing out throwing them out throwing it all at them all at once and then in doing so, if we were to give it to them all at once, then we'd be saying, hey, we made a mistake in here somewhere. Well, the, the, and there was too much stimulus, and there was too much, um, you know, and, and we already know that. Well, somewhere we've been in this business for a while, and from following this um, every day, we know that there was too much stimulus, and we do, we know that, um, as a client I was meeting with recently was, was saying that, you know, people took advantage of this, and, um, you know, hardworking people are sort of, you know, people have kind of worked through this whole period or, or, you know, maybe they're happy that they have a few other job opportunities at this point, but maybe they're frustrated that we're having to pay higher prices and they're, you know, the way this all was handled was probably not, um, you know, the smoothest way um, economically. And now the question going forward is, uh, you know, these increases that we're going to see, and I'd like to see 50 basis points in March. I don't think that would be a scare. Um, but if the Fed decides that they want to continue this sort of, you know, slow to give, you know, to give too much away um, in terms of information, um, then this, I think, this volatility continues. Well, I think the you you need a if if you believe, and you and I, I think talked about it last week, and I think we were spot on, and we thought a neutral rates two seventy five three. Well, yeah. well, we're like a long way from there, but <laughs> we are right. Yeah, I mean, we're at you know, if you look at the two year right now, it's at one point three percent. We're about higher than we've been, but we're not where we're going to be. And um, I think maybe just one point, you know, in terms of knowing that rates are going higher, it's pretty clear. I mean, we have a a really clear view of of interest rates from here. And you know, as just to to kind of remind um, listeners that. The types of um, where you want to continue to invest based on the view that rates are going higher. You know, we've talked about utilities. We've talked about REITs. Um, some of the short term, and when I say short term, two or three years and less on high yield bonds because they still have some yield there. So if you're looking for yield, there are ways to find it. Preferred stocks are still attractive. Those high quality, high dividend stocks are still attractive. And I still like the infrastructure play i still think that um at least here in florida we're starting to get specific numbers in specific towns as to what some of the money from the funding is and that was to me i'm thinking i'm the only one that actually liked that but i actually like the fact that i know there's going to be improvement in the water system in my town and you know the santa says allocated a certain amount of money to that and it's going to the right people so i you know i think as that that continues to play itself out and people start seeing more, you know, the construction and the roads being built. Names like Aztec that sold off pretty significantly with their recent earnings are a good buy in here. So really? they were okay. a decent buy before, and now they're an even better buy. Dan, um, what, uh, six points lower. We're, we're, you seem much closer to this than me, so I will, I will ask you. The, the bill that was signed, the uh, infrastructure bill, correct? And that, that, that's good to go, right? That's, that's, that's yes, done. that's right, going. So what, it's, it's going. So what, what, is, what is the timing... The places you're talking about, and the projects you're talking about, now those specific projects are all—they're all in the bill, right? So if they're going to—they're going to—if they're going to do a, a five-mile stretch of highway by your house, the, the way these things—I've never read one of these things. That's why I'm asking. So that particular project, you know, four 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 dash three, is in the bill, and and once the local people get their act together and make 
the payments come down the pipe, right? And then it gets started. Is that how that works? It gets started as soon as they have the, 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 the people to do it. You know, the, and it does, right, it goes through the authorities. And, f- you know, for the most part, I think we're in places um, where the authorities agree, you know, that, you know, that bridge or that, that road that has potholes in Chicago that, that everyone complains about, um, you know, including the person that is part of the decision-making process and pushing this through, are going to want to get that done. But it's going to be a question of making sure that you can find the the staff, the road workers, the people that are going to be able to do it. I mean, and so that that is really the only delay that I can see. But but I like I think one of the good things um, about knowing the specifics, you know, this amount is allocated to this project in that town. I think gives a lot of people some confidence that this is going to be something. It's a positive, and it's going to be something that you know is you know moving forward. Um, you know, we want to see those changes, but I think that that process has already begun. Yeah, and there one uh, you. You've been recommending, actually, a few of my clients are now in, that HYD, you still like that one? Yes, yeah, absolutely, because high yield still has some spread, as we said, the spread being the difference between the average yield on the high yield bond and the yield on the comparable treasury with a similar maturity, um, and that spread is still higher, it's still like 300 basis points on average, where, you know, at its, at its narrowest, it was 212, so there is still room it's a very easy way the thing about value you know putting a value on high yield is by looking at the spread over treasuries and that spread is still wider than um you know it's historic tights you know it's 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 historic narrow points so and it's quite a bit higher still so there's still yield there default rates are extremely low not expected to go higher um anytime soon so so high yield in general is good ZD is the, it's just the zero duration, which takes out that interest rate risk. Um, PGHY is another one, which is strictly short-term. Um, that's a, an ETF that has strictly short-term, um, I think it's an average of two-year um, uh, maturities on uh, high-yield bonds. And so I, I think that sector as a whole, high-yield still has still has some legs, still has some room to go in here. So and if I the would, rates go up in a, in a year, that two-year one will be... It should be paying more because they're replacing the ones that are coming off with higher, higher yield ones, correct? Exactly. And it's the same concept. We talked about floating rate notes. We talked about bank loans, you know, which reset every six months. And, and you know, as I was telling them, some clients last night, that, you know, suddenly you're going to start seeing a little bit of interest in that checking account. So, you know, there, there's, you know, there's a lot of cons to inflation, but the, um, the pros are that we see, um, you know, we see an increase in, and activity, uh, we see an increase in, you know, we just have to rearrange our investments a little bit to sort of maximize where we're making money, and maybe we're not making as money in the, in the high-flying tax, but maybe we're going to make a little more in, um, you know, REITs or utilities or some, some of these more stable um, investments, and we're going to ride it up as the rates go higher. We're going we're gonna to participate in the, in the, um, in the well, higher yield. Well, so, well, well, what so happens the when you that was just made if we went back to, I guess it was back to 1982, that's now 40 years ago. The 10-year was at 10%, and it's pretty much come down if you look at the, the long-term trajectory. 10-year yields have come down pretty significantly over the, the last four decades. And the, the fact that, ten, you know, back then when some of us were starting to look at property and, and mortgages and all that, we were paying very high rates. And now I just think this balancing effect that happens in economics is going to happen. So maybe where we see a little comeback, like like we were just talking, what areas and you know, what goods or what services or what you know are gonna are gonna be cut back. Well, 
at some point housing is going to have to level off. It's just it's it in most places in the country it's just roared ahead. Like you know it's. You're watching the you well, know, but, each but day. You're watching your home value increase. But that's so what, at that, some but, point, that levels off. And that's where that's you a place to start. Well, that's where you and I are kind of button heads here a little bit. Leveling off at this level does not help anybody because they're because they're, they're ten years behind in raises. Right, and then but but what you have is you have a you have a switch now from from people who are stepping in to buy. As rates go higher, there's going to be less demand on on True. new on current, you know, buying property at this point. Well, I'm going to I'm going to run one at you here, and as you know, um, when we actually get deep into a subject, there's usually amazing agreement between the two of us. But I just I don't know I don't know why I spend my day reading stuff that isn't true. You you still have a basic faith in some of these people, and I. I've lost all of that, Dan. To be honest with you, I've lost all of it. I don't. If you lie to me on one thing, I'm not going to believe you on the next thing. And it just, I, I think that there's a solid chance. You look at the market the last two days. The fact these bonds have oh, yeah. bounced back here for two days. I think there's a solid chance that they come out with a, a slightly lighter number today. They're going to give us the. We'll do 25 basis points in March. Then we think it was transitory all along. We're going to wait and see. I think we're going to get that, especially with this election coming up. I think there's a real chance these guys totally back off on what you and I know, know is the right thing to do. It's just playing in the nose on somebody's face. I think there's a chance they, 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 they weasel on it. I am hoping not. I am hoping that, that, that I'm, that I'm right on this one and that, and that, uh. So, so am I, they, but I'm with yeah, you. I'm hoping you're right uh, too. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that they, you know, I think what's starting to happen is people are realizing the damage that was done. By not acting quick enough, by maybe providing too much stimulus, by maybe not policing the stimulus, if you will, by not monitoring it. That's the better word, monitoring it. Um, and I think at this point there's, um, you know, politically, from a political point of view and administrative point of view, I think there, there needs to be some coming to the middle, if you will. There has to be, like, a little bit more. And catching up, mostly, is where I see it. There has to be some catching up in terms of um, tightening and you know, not being afraid of the, cy- the part of the cycle we're in because it is a natural part of the cycle. This is just the way the credit cycle works. But then, if and it's, a lot of people it's, feel, fear that, especially people who are in you know the growthier stocks, you know, because they're, they they fear that all of a sudden that this this increase that they've had for years is going to go away. But it, but it has to for our economy to continue. Dan, I'm on, again, I'm on record here saying many times. I hope you're right. But explain to me this: if if I'm wrong, and they come out with even a slightly hot number today. I mean, I, maybe it's just I'm getting really tired of watching these people every Sunday and every day talking about what they're going to do on a quarter point. On a, on a, it, to me, it's it's like you and me peeing in Lake Michigan, for God's sake. I mean, if, if this number comes out hot today, if they're serious, tell me how a half hour after a number comes out, they don't have a, a half a point increase this morning. If you and I were there, that's exactly what we'd be doing. I agree, and I, I think um, I think some of it's built in. You know, certainly at least a quarter of a point. You know, for you know for a number of um, you know for a number a number of times the rest of this year. But I think there has to be a little bit more. And yeah, right. I mean, we have to. The one thing that we know is we, we're long term investors, and we have to kind of look past this and just again see the cycle that we're in. See that we're in that part of the cycle. We were we were going there before the pandemic hit. Now, two years later, we have to realize that's where we are, so we can't blame everything on COVID anymore. We have to just sort of accept where we're at in the cycle and just move forward, get back to work, you know, accept that there's going to be some inflation because that's part of 
the later parts, you know, the mature part, middle to the mature part of the, the business cycle, the, the mature part of the credit cycle, and realize that, you know, unless we start putting the brakes on, unless the brakes are put on, um, you know, you're, you're thinking you're paying a lot right now for, for eggs or gas or, or rent. Um, I saw one little sign of it in my, in the town where I live, which is a small town, and I saw some, uh, I, some younger people actually out, um, it's not something you see at all, not something that I've seen ever in, in Punta Gorda, but who are actually, um, you know, out looking for money. You know, they're out, like, um, peddling money, like, um, homeless people. And, I, and the, the irony is that it was in a shopping center where every single store had a for hire, you know, for looking for help sign. And I think to me there was something significant about that. Um, that there are people moving to Florida because it's less expensive and all that, but it isn't necessarily meaning that they're the people who are going to take the job at the at the local market or. Oh God, or, no, no, that, that ship is sailed. <laughs> that ship is yeah. has long sailed. I, my uh, well, my my younger friends here that I used to play softball with when I played more back in the 2008 fiasco. These guys all got laid off, right? And the girls too. I mean, yeah, everybody yeah. really got laid. I mean, it was horrible. Uh, it was horrible. Yeah. And. Uh, and I said, you know, if you got four or five friends, I know you don't know how to do this. I can get us a couple of painting jobs on houses and outside. And by the way, I can teach you guys. I mean, you're, you're going to be on the ladder, not me. But uh, I'll help and I'll teach and I'll do all the running and I'll get the jobs. Oh, we have, we have no we have no interest in that, chief. We don't want to, we don't want to learn how to paint. <laughs> Right. Okay. What's what's wrong about that? Making making four hundred a piece on a weekend if we got no dough. I mean, what's wrong with that? It's a little honest work. And I, oh no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> okay. I, it's a different world, Dan. I mean, I think, yeah. No, it is. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think back in college or something, I worked for a buddy that has a construction business, and I and I, you know, at the end of the summer, it's like absolutely no way. I give credit to the people who do that. I give a lot of credit to the people who do that, but. But um, the folk, yeah, you're right. The focus is on finding the right people for the right positions. And, and you know, uh, one other thing that I've heard pretty much across the board, I've heard it from my CEOs, I've heard it from people who are on boards. Um, it's been harder to find talent, but it's also there's been somewhat of a, you know, we talk about supply chain issues. Well, there's been somewhat of a of a bog in the system of trying to hire people. So some young professionals that I know have said that, you know, the process has taken a lot longer and it may be that the people who are making those decisions are no longer at that company or they've recently stepped into that position without training. And I'm hearing that there's, you know, there is some disconnect based on that where some of the people who are experienced are being, are stepping out or or sort of being forced to step out or deciding to step out. And there isn't that person behind them to fill that role. So in terms of finding new people, you know, that process is not familiar to them. And so, so there are some kinks in the chain of getting the right people in the right place, you know, to to move forward and to and to and to move in the direction of productivity and efficiency. Have you, have you talked to anybody who, um, in the last in the in the, the Zoom era, I've talked to people who, who got jobs and, God damn, it was about a five month process. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's a. I know my my, my stepfather, who had uh, business wise was one of the. I mean, in terms of his hiring his people. He'd give somebody an interview. He'd look at the resume, and he'd say, "Be here tomorrow morning." <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then once you've had the pro- the chance to meet them, hiring them on spot. Yeah. You know, you say, get a few candidates together and then hiring them. Yeah. And the thing is, especially where there's a need, right? Yeah. And we have more of a need now than we ever have. So that process is dragged on, and that's not helping things. So. Yeah, but maybe it was easier that if you know he was he was always in, a, in accounting. If a guy came in and said he could do accounts. 
payable, and it turns out he could. And I suppose you could can him easier too. But uh, right. you know, but you know, I, just the idea. Of what, what do I? Why do we have to talk to forty-eight more people? <laughs> I, the, right. There's an empty desk. It's yours tomorrow morning. But what are you? I know there's there's a middle ground there somewhere, but. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy stuff. I, I think some of it has to do with getting back in person. And I, and I do believe just from kind of my, my, you know, my small side of the world that what I'm hearing both from companies and from friends and, and, and a variety of industries is that more and more people are coming back. And even people who are given jobs that were remote are now being required to come into the office and they're happy to be coming into the office. So that's, um, you know, the, the, that trend is, is, you know, is underway and, you know, can't move quickly enough as far as I'm concerned. But it, I think, you know, as that happens, hopefully that'll help free up this, uh, these long, uh, waits for, uh, for new positions. I don't want to, my first employee on the trading floor was, uh, was Dr. J of all people, right? And, uh, it was a long, long time ago. He had, a, he was working for some guy. Remember, boy, Dan, you could be the only person I talked to that has any idea what I'm talking about here. Remember when the short stock interest was such a big deal? Oh, yeah. Well, people put, and I'm going to be over at every top of everybody's head here for a minute, but that's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll repeat it tomorrow if you want me to. Um, there's a, there's, there's an option pricing, well, the option pricing mechanism. If you tell me the price of the call, tell me the interest rate, you tell me the expiration, I can always tell you the price of the put, right? Maybe not off the top of my head like I used to be able to, but I can figure it out. Because there's an interest rate relationship between one and the other, correct? So if you have two of the three, you can always find the fourth, correct? Or two or three, you can always find a third. And, uh, so in those days, the interest rates were so high that if you could get short stock interest coming in, you actually paid for the reversal, which is kind of suicidal, except if the rates got so high, because then every day you're going to, your, your short stock is going to earn interest. And the short stock interest got to be like 14%. Right, yeah. And, uh, to where these guys were picking up a check for like 350 grand every month back when that was like a real lot of money. Well, this thing bl- blows up because the interest rates went the other way. Anyway, so Jan, the, the place falls apart. He says to me, hey, uh, I need a job. Um, and, uh, he says, I'm only going to work for like two guys. Here's the deal. You don't have to pay me anything, but you just got everything you do. You got to tell me why you're doing it. This is a long, long time ago. I was long before he was on TV and everything when we were young. And, uh, I said, okay, well, here you go. Here's all the orders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Go, go tell him you're my clerk, get a clerk's badge and you're in. It was, it was, it was about a 30 second interview. It was like, <laughs> I don't think it happens today, Dad. Just, just saying. Well, I, I just saw the number, um, that came out today and it, it looks like it's just up slightly. Okay. Well, I, I think they knew that was coming, but all right. Take yep. care of yourself. Talk to you right. next week. Uh, yep. CPI is point, positive point six. It was supposed to be poor. Four estimate, and that's a little hotter, actually. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate. Separate the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, 
food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Arnold. She's on the board here. I'm, I'm digging through the CPI number here, so I'm a hair behind in my in my numbers here. But I, we're catching up here. It's, it's a huge CPI thing to try and catch while you're on a break, you know, type of thing. SP futures down 37. Uh, don't like these numbers. These numbers aren't so hot. Uh, 0.6 was supposed to be 0.4. Gives us 7.5 year over year. Was supposed to be 7.2. Uh, Nasdaq futures down 195. Still not as much as we were up yesterday. Uh, over in Europe, um, again these quotes are a little delayed. <clears throat> DAX up 70.5 percent. FTSE up 10.1 percent. CAC around down 39.6 percent. So CAC is responding to the downside here a little bit. Nikkei was up 116.4%, Shanghai up 5.1%, Hang Seng up 94.4%. So the upside, but somewhat muted in Asia. Yesterday, big rally, as we talked about earlier, Dow up 305, S&P futures were up 65, NASDAQ up 295. So NASDAQ's given back about two-thirds of that. S&P's given back eh, 60% so far. But we could turn around, obviously. Uh, bonds, wow, 1.98. And they might be two by the end of the day. Bund, positive 0.25. Japan, positive 0.24. Who'd have thought that six months ago? Uh, oil up a dollar seven out of 90.73. Brent up 89 cents, 92.44. Natural gas down six cents. Back under four dollars, 3.94. So 
Uh, this thing has been up, down, up, down, but now it's back under four bucks. Our Bob up two cents, two sixty-seven. We'll see what gold's doing. Gold's down. Even with this, it's kind of surprising. Down five twenty, eighteen thirty-one. Silver unchanged, twenty-three thirty-four. Copper up six cents, four sixty-six. And crypto down eight sixty-five at forty-three thousand eight thirty-five. Still high, uh, way higher than it was. Well, anyway, we got force traffic weather sports. While I go through these numbers. All right, sounds good. Good morning, everyone. Currently seven thirty-six a.m. on February tenth. Let's get into it, starting with sports. Um, the NBA Bulls beat Hornets 121-109, and the Suns will play the Bucks tonight. And the NHL Blackhawks beat Oilers 4-1, and the Coyotes beat Seattle Kraken 5-2. In college basketball, nothing to report from last night, but UIC will be playing Cleveland State tonight, and Arizona State will be playing Washington Huskies tonight. Looking at weather in Chicago, currently cloudy, 30 degrees with a high of 32 and a low of 28. And Phoenix, sunny, 51, with a high of 82 and a low of 51. Busy time on the roads this morning. Traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45, all the way to the downtown construction intersect at 290-94, so be careful driving this morning. More traffic westbound between Independence and 9th. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between the South Tri-State Ramp and the 90 East Ramp. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Foster and Higgins. Uh, traffic eastbound 94 between Old Orchard and Tui, and then that picks up again at Irving Park, uh, going all the way to Canal Port. Uh, there's also an accident on Tui, so be mindful of the traffic that's going to be picking up in that area. We have intermittent traffic westbound on I-94, first between 130th and 71st, again at 35th to uh, Throop Street, and then again from Addison to Lake. So be careful driving this morning. And a bit more traffic northbound on I-55 between Route 71 and Damon. And that is all I have for you, Chief. The, um, we have Mr. Flanagan? We do indeed. Oh, hey, Jan, how are you? Are you pouring through the CPI report like I am? Yeah. Well, not as optimistic as they promised. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, boy, I tell you what, talk about wrong again. I, with the market rallying in the last couple of days and even bonds coming back, I was really convinced that, uh, um, that we would, we were going to get some kind of a number where these guys were going to say it's not as bad as we thought and blah, blah, blah. But we're talking, uh, by the way, the, the unadjusted number is, uh, is, is 0.8, not 0.6. So I don't know how you adjust it, but they, they adjusted it down to 0.6. Um, I mean, it's seven point what seven point five year over year. It's uh, that's a lot. I'm still looking at uh, the ones that I. Some of these have nudged up a hair, but I'm still looking at rent of primary residence is only up three point eight percent on the year, which we know is is a lie. Or uh, and, and the owner's equivalent rent of residence is up four point one percent, which we know is somewhat of a lie. With, with housing prices up in the last year, 20% or 15 or something. I mean, it's a big number. Uh, and medical care is still only 7% of your basket. So none of that has really changed. But the, the top number is, I'll just go across the top line here, and this is, again, this is the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Table 2 Consumer Price Index for all urban consumers, U.S. city average, by detail, blah, blah, blah. And it is it is detailed, that much I will say. Okay, so the unadjusted percent change, January to Last year to this year is 7.5. Uh, December to January is 0.8. That's the unadjusted. Seasonally adjusted last month was 0.6. Um, so there you have it, um, which is 0.7 October, 0.6 November to December, uh, 0.6 December to January. So, um, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing some numbers here. And I, and I think it's not really a full story. I would have to say my guess that it would be 
10 or 11 right now, and maybe, you know, it might come down over the next few months. But uh, these numbers are really, really hot, Jan. And if and we're talking about a, you know, a risk-free rate of, of what, less than one, you're getting. So let the record reflect that if you had a million, if the, if the Flanagan account at the, you know, the little, the little place down the block where you go check your balance every day, which I wouldn't be a bit surprised, but uh, if you started the year with a million dollars, what did you make? A half a percent, maybe, maybe, and uh, and if you did, you now have seven percent less wealth than you did last year, and that's the only way to look at it. And that's if, that's if you believe the numbers these guys are giving us, and that really sucks. Just saying. Well, food was point nine percent in January, which yes, yeah, that is sizable. By, by any stretch, I think. Um, I've got uh, seasonal uh, unadjusted. Uh, f- where, what, what are you talking about? Food is uh, which one you you got here? I'm, I'm re- this is just this is um, on the second page of their like summary here. All right, food. Uh, food, uh, food at home index increased one percent over the month, rising point four in December. Uh, total food is one. Food uh, food at home is up one point two. Uh, this is um, this is the unadjusted number now. Yeah. The, the adjusted is is point nine uh, is is point is point nine on the food everywhere, and one point zero on food at home. Um, which I think also doesn't tell the whole story. <laughs> well, which I mean, when, you, this, that, that, uh, when you when you speak about these percentages, um, depending on somebody's individual buying patterns or staples or how many people in your household, what age the household, you're probably paying a lot more than that in a lot of cases. All right, so what What are you, uh, where, where, well, let's figure out, what, what's Eliani's favorite here? Uh, cupcakes, they're up 6.4%. Eliani, are you a cupcake girl? Fresh sweet rolls, coffee cakes, and donuts up 7.2. How, how de- this, is, this is amazingly detailed. Crackers, bread, and cracker products uh-huh. up 12.6%. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not I'll a cupcakes person, but I'm, I'm glad to hear they're doing well. <laughs> bread up 5.9%. my mouth water. <laughs> now, white bread, 5.6%. Bread other than white, 6.3%. Did you ever, you ever, have either one of you ever bored the hell out of yourself and, and looked at, uh, like when, when Trump was messing around with all the tariffs? Did you ever look through a tariff, a tariff oh manual? <laughs> It's like my worst day of law school time. It's <laughs> Eliani, you would not believe it. You, you get to a page where it's yeah. Uh, there's there's got to be fifty different kinds of well, I won't say fifty. Uh, Ten different kinds of cottage cheese, and you're like cheese other than sixty percent milk fat. <laughs> and every one of them has got a different tariff rate. And you're sitting there going, what is what is all this stuff? Yet, yet people, some, if, if you're an exporter... People are uh, crunching those numbers to be oh, yeah. advanced. There are people There's doing that. As they read this stuff in many ways. <laughs> there are people doing that. There's got to be some farmer in upstate <laughs> New York. bastards. Yeah, I mean, yeah so, some farmer in upstate New York that has, you know, cottage cheese, less than 40% milk fat, that exports it to Toronto, that somehow wiggles a different tariff, and you don't even know who the hell the guy is or... Who his lobbyist is, and yet there it is. Just call him Bob. Yeah, just call him Bob. You know what I mean? Well, and of course, <laughs> Thanks, those Bob. percentages are not just like you know pristine numbers. They've been used as a way of carving out your favorites or enemies you know, <laughs> to punish them or to reward them. So those are it's kind of amusing to think how how much time and energy is spent parsing that stuff. 
But you know, that, that Lou guy, you know, he's a conservative, and his his cottage cheese is sixty percent milk fat. Mine's fifty five. Okay, we're going to put through a, a tariff that's uh, less than sixty percent milk fat. No tariff, but over it, you're screwed. <laughs> but but you know, but people obviously the line wouldn't be there if somebody didn't care about it, right? Of course not. Imagine if people started using those numbers when they're buying stuff in a grocery store. It would take you forever to check out. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. Frozen and refrigerated baked products, pies, tarts, and turnovers. They're up 8.4%. I don't think the last time I bought a turnover. It's unbelievable. Why, now, why was it? wouldn't be a popover, right? So that'd be so a different thing, probably. Oh, yeah. Remember, remember those apple turnovers that yep, they used to yep. sell and put them in your toaster? God, those things awful. Uh, now, <laughs> meat, poultry, fish, eggs are up 12%. Meat, poultry, and fish up 12%. Meat up 13 Beef and veal up 16 Here we go. Uncooked, uncooked ground beef. Most of the time, the way you, why would you buy cooked ground beef? Right? Yeah, uncooked ground beef up 13. Uncooked beef roasts, uh, up 19.2% in one month. Oh, yeah, well, that's. No, that's, wait a minute, that, that, that's the year. Oh, even that's, higher. But that's the year. Uh, I'm sorry, that's the year. But yeah. that's, that's a real number. Um, it's January, this is, this is unadjusted. Now, ham's only up 10%, pork chops 14. Frankfurters, are, is that hot dogs? Uh, two, only 2.1%. Wow. Seems like we should be going with the, with the hot dogs. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, <laughs> They're using even worse stuff on the hot dogs than they usually do. God only knows what is in those things. Right, wait, I, I is, never want to know. What is a shelf-stable fish and seafood? Canned fish. Yeah. Okay. Shelf-stable means, shelf means, means canned? Usually. I think so, yeah. The long, you know, can be on the shelf. Now, you see why, see why I got you guys? I went... I don't want any of this stuff. <laughs> I didn't go to college for nothing. So. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't go to school for nothing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what you know, it, you know, it, it, it is, it is, it is really so funny. I what I what I where, where the question I'm leading to, Jan, is there's no doubt. Well, I don't have any doubt that buried in the bowels of the Bureau of Labor Statistics are 500 people. They basically work their fanny off to come up with these numbers. They actually give a crap about the rice, the price of brown rice versus white rice. And by the way, this is not even the the real detailed thing. You you can open up every one of these things, and then when you talk about fresh milk other than whole, there's got to be ten different stuff down there. There's two percent, one percent, of course, and, but, and regional differences. Oh, sure. Too. I mean, and I know, and, and there's people that actually work this stuff. I think you know. Like you can say what you want about the CTA, but you get on the bus. There's some guy or lady there that does a nice job driving the bus. That's friendly. That does their job in a pleasant manner. Doesn't crack the damn thing up. Doesn't run over anybody. Day after day after day, people actually go to work and do their jobs. Right? I mean, I, I believe that about this that's country. That's, that's what keeps the cities and everything else going. So. so, how do you get to the part where? Wait a minute. Everybody knows rent was up. Fifteen percent last year, twelve percent, and we got a we got a two percent right here. I mean, how does that get out the front door of the place? I mean, obviously the guy who's running around checking rents knows it's wrong. Who, who changes it? Where in the, I've always wanted. I mean, the bureaucracy. The only one I was ever really involved. with, well, I was involved at Pullman. It was a long time ago. The CBOE. It when, when stuff got out of meetings, the stuff got out of stuff where people. Then you'd, you'd see the scrub meeting minutes that bore no resemblance to the actual meeting. I always was curious exactly what level. All this stuff changed, and who gets to change it? Is it the guy up top? Is it the guy below him? 
that knows the guy up top would want him to change it but doesn't want to do it himself. I think that's kind of the level the bureaucracy I've always been the most interested in this the area where I just lick my finger and put it up and I can the political winds are blowing from Vichy we better get that one out of the meeting minutes and and all of a sudden the chairman looks at it and he goes oh those look pretty good and you know he did exactly what he wanted you to do without him telling you to do it I mean where does this all happen I mean it's it's not going to go to to Biden's desk and he's going to cross out 12% on rent and make it 2 or 4 is he I don't I mean, something, at, what, at what level does somebody take it upon themselves to say, it's not getting out of here like this? Well, it will be corrected. There's all, these numbers apparently always are, but it's after the fact, and it's after other bad numbers have come in, too, and people tend to forget, you know, what kind of you know, investment they made in the numbers they received six months ago, when you now look back and say all those numbers had to be revised upwards, and, and dramatically in some cases, because they were so off. And it shows that even the data they have is not airtight. And it, it, I think they, they try to be at some level honest and accurate, but of course <laughs> they're not, at least you know, not in the moment. And it takes them a long time to sift out the size of the mistakes they've made and to get somebody to take responsibility for it. And the, the hit that will, you know, you will take you know, to the reputation of that piece of the government for getting such bad numbers circulated. Um, it's, it's always, but you're always playing catch-up on it. Well, here's one. I don't know if I combine these together. Uh, men's underwear and nightwear, I mean, we're talking pajamas, I assume. Swimwear and accessories, 9%. What the hell is in a... Now, men's pants... Flip flops and, you know... Men's pants and... Sunglasses. Sh- well, men's pants... Sunglasses, and caps, you know, shower caps. Shawls, like, you know, kind of like, you know, like... They come like beach shawls and things like that. Those would be considered snorkels, yeah. Yeah, goggles. Oh, <laughs> Men's pants and shorts, however, down on the year. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Girls apparel down four percent. A women's suits and separates. What's what, what's a separate, Eliani? Uh, separate or like two-piece items so like pants and pants and shirt kind of thing so those that'd be a separate oh you know they don't come as they don't come as a set like a skirt and top yeah oftentimes in women's clothing and i think in men's clothing too you have to buy pieces separate so um transportation commodities less motor fuel uh up 23 percent wow new vehicles up 12 uh new cars and trucks up 12 now i have a question now, if we were actually doing this, Jen and Eliani, we'd have to bring her with because she's fun. Uh, <laughs> if we were actually doing this, now, everybody knows, well, I think everybody should know, that when you go in and buy a, a, a car, traditionally, or a truck, it's mm-hmm. going to say list price, manufacturer suggested list price, pick a number, 30 grand, I'll show my age, uh, and you're going to pay if you've got cash or you've got a, a fairly priced used car. And I, when I say that, bear with me. You're going to pay 27 or something sure. along the line, 26. And you're going to say, why? Maybe I should somebody write in one day. Um, Chief, why, 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 is, why do you always pay less than list price? And I think the real reason is if you bring in a jalopy that you owe 10 grand on and it's only worth eight, they can add the price to what you're paying and still be under the list price, and, it, and it's still okay for a loan, and it slides right through. Am I right, Jen? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but now, so it's it's kind of difficult in the first place 
for us to figure out how much under list price is the real price in a normal year. So I think most of the stuff goes with the list price, right? I think when they, when they do these numbers. Now, what happens this year when everybody wants three or four grand over list? I'm going to say that number is not in this 12%. No. Yeah, I would guess not. But are we, do we think I'm right? I mean, I, there's yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, for it to be there, I, you'd have to have some, some wildly different numbers to start with, I think. Um, yeah. It wouldn't work in that kind of a table situation. So I, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's a problem in, in economics that I can't solve. But I, I don't think that's a, a, you know, a viable number. So. Yeah, I don't see how they could possibly get that in there. Even though it's obviously a big deal, if you if, if you well, makes a huge difference. Yeah, to, to oh god, consumer, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but here's a good one. Used now. Here's the same discussion I was having with Dan, but we, we weren't looking right into this page. Uh, used cars and trucks. Now, in the last year, and, and, and here's one of the innate problems with the uh, um, the ish, with, with this table. And, and again, this is not. I wouldn't want this job. Uh, but if I did, I'd have to have these guys come with me to. Talk me, talk me sane. The uh, used cars and trucks is up 40.5% in the last 12 months. Yeah. Massive number. Uh, now, this particular month, it's only up 1.5%. But here's here's my my question, as we used to say in high school. My question. Uh, it's considered 4.1% of your basket. Okay? Uh, now, if you are... Uh, Getting your fanny off the sofa and go get your job for fifteen bucks an hour because now you know whatever you found a job, unemployment ran out. You'll go at fifteen. You wouldn't go at twelve. Whatever the number is, fifteen bucks is what thirty grand a year. Yeah, it's up to seventeen now at Aldi. I saw it on the other day. Yep. Okay, well I'm, it goes up every time I go in the store. Well, for those of the, the the numbers from back in my Pullman days. What there's two thousand eighty hours in a year, something like that. Yeah. Well, like minimum wage right now is fifteen. Okay, so. but I'm saying, if it, it, it's if if somebody's making ten, just keep the number two thousand in your head. It's actually two thousand eighty, I think. Okay. So so ten bucks times two thousand eighty is you're making twenty grand a year. So fifteen bucks an hour, you're making thirty twenty. That's why when the when General Motors first played twenty bucks in the seventies, uh, where people made forty thousand bucks that. That essentially defined the middle class, right, Jen? Right. That assumes full time. It assumes full time, and you know your holidays. But my, what I'm saying is here. Here's here's the the, the trick with the numbers. I'm going to say right now that if that person has to pay forty percent more for a car that used to cost him ten just to get to work, he's now up to fourteen, and he's only going to be making thirty grand a year. It's way more than forty percent of his basket. Four percent. Right. Okay. So now therein lies the rub. But now if you adjust that number after this last year in used cars and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. The chief guy knows what he's talking about. Used cars and trucks, for somebody who actually go, has to go get one, it's not 4% of his basket, it's 6 or 7. Now, let's let's not, not make it 50 or anything, but let's raise it up some. Well, now the price of used cars are so high that if they start dra- dropping down to you know 2 or 3% a year, all of a sudden now they become a detraction on the numbers going forward, even though you never really accounted for the 40% last year because it was so small. Right. And the people were still priced out of it. Right. You're still still priced out of it. So to me, make it even more stark, uh, Eliana, you were saying that you don't have uh, uh, parking permits in your neighborhood yet. 
No, I, yeah, we still have uh, free parking in the majority of my neighborhood. Okay, so what a, a better example might be if, if Lori Lightfoot comes down and says, those people like Eliana think they're getting away free, and they they drop a $500 fee. I'm not saying they're going to, I'm not saying in front of your house, and you pay it. Well, now all of a sudden that's not even in, it's not even in the CPI. But now it's clearly part of your basket, right? You, you gotta pay this to, to live there. Right. Uh, but now, if it stays 500 for the next 10 years, and we put it in the basket, it now detracts from the inflation, even though we never picked up the 0 to 500 number to start with. Yeah, so there's no improvement, really. Yeah, there's no improvement, really, because it was never, but, but now it's, you say it's one percent of your basket, and now detracts from the other ninety nine because there's no inflation there. So it never, never actually gets picked up, is what I'm saying. That's the problem with statistics. Mm. Yeah. Generally, you know. Well, you, but you have, you've got a two headed monster. On the one hand, you want to be able to compare these numbers to twenty years ago, or else they're useless, right? Mm. And yet, you got some numbers, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so otherwise, it's useless. And yet, as this stuff changes, you just the changes in the numbers cause the changes in the basket. And if you do too much of that, then you then you mess with goal number one to make the number useful over decades. So it's, it's I guess my point is they're screwing it up, but it's not easy to do. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and just to get my two cents, cents in, in, the, in the last couple of minutes, we got um, my cynicism extends to this you know recent announcement by Pritzker and other Democratic governors about the, removing the mask mandate, but not for the schools and. I mean, they must have all gotten on the same conference call at once and decided to do it on pretty much the same schedule. And the crassness of it, that they think by the time elections come around, people will have forgotten that the Democrats were behind these mask mandates in the first place is just shocking to me. But the most noteworthy thing is that they, they gave a pass to the teachers because they know that the teachers would probably be striking ad nauseum if they remove the mask mandates and they'll be pitting parents against school districts and the teachers will just opt out of it and that will get blamed you know by on the democrats if they don't want that so they're going to put kids through this madness for the rest of the school year so that they can get reelected i mean i'm, I'm just so over this bunch Tom, i can barely see straight well they they i'm going to say whoever whoever panders to I mean, I don't think it's somehow or another, Jan. We've got with the employee unions, which I think is a kind of a bad idea. Uh, they become such a political force; it's not an arm's length transaction, right? I mean, we, we, oh, they have a monopoly. Well, but I'm saying if if you if you went to Pullman, okay, and and you have a union strikes or you, they get locked out, it's essentially two two bulls in the pasture fighting over the, a piece of the pasture. Right, and how much? Who's going to get what share of the goodies? But they, if the place goes under, they both lose. So, so there's there's it's somewhat of an arm's length transaction because whatever whatever the union gets, the other people lose. Whatever they could wiggle out of the union, the union loses. Right? But yeah. In, but in this particular case, it's not because it doesn't come out of the governor's packet or the city's packet. It comes out of the taxpayer. So the the union is, is fighting against the other voters. They've been they're using their political clout to get influence vis-a-vis the rest of the voters, using the Stooges in office, and I, I mean that on this issue, not that they're individually Stooges, the Stooges in office as the pawns. And that's a totally different economic transaction than a union, and, and, and a private union. Am I correct? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, Jesse Sharkey, the, you know, the president of the CTU, is not going to run again this no. May. And there's a, you know, a 
coalition of, of, of union members, of, you know, this thing called Members First, um, that's kind of positioning itself as less confrontational with the city. Um, they're, they're tired of the work stoppages, they're tired of the, the bad reputation the teachers' union is getting, and they're, they're promising a more reasonable relationship with... That'll be real interesting. And, and everything else, ...which is fine, except that, you know... In the long run, you, you look at the name members first, and it says exactly what I've, I've said all along, is that, that the students always come last. They have oh, yeah. no bargaining group no. um, at, at all, and yeah, nobody's gotta, fighting for them. Nobody cares about them. we got a dash. Let's talk about this one on, uh, yeah. on Monday. But SPV is now down 45, NASDAQ's down 250, so we're giving up a sizable chunk of yesterday, at least so far. Back on Monday, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look.